Morning, everyone. Morning. This is um, another one of those just absolutely amazing conversations that Jesus has with the disciples. And part of it can almost sound harsh how it ends up, like the expectation that um, the the kind of the ruler has over the servants, and it can be something that could seem like a little much, but I want to take out of this scripture what I think is the macro thought here uh, that Jesus is trying to give us. Um, I love the end of the scripture in particular here where uh, Peterson in his rewording of this says, the work is done, what we were told to do, we did. I want to talk uh, to uh, just have a conversation around faithfulness. Um, usually when faithfulness is talked about in the church, we talk about um, God's faithfulness, and rightfully so, because God is perfect in being faithful to us. God, I, I loved earlier when Claire said, you know, try to remember a time when God was faithful in your life, because, and we're going to get into this in a minute, that really is so absolutely core Um, in our faith journey is to be people that remember the faithfulness of God that we've experienced because it's on that turf, that ground, that our lives continue to be built in the direction God wants them built. But we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. So certainly we we celebrate the faithfulness of God, uh, but in this scripture it seems that Jesus is uh, more talking about uh, our faithfulness to God and our faithfulness around our relationship Uh, with God and how we honor that and how we uh, pursue God and some of the core things. Uh, Billy Graham, uh, it's said one of his close friends, Charles Templeton, uh, was a contemporary of Graham's and Charles Templeton um, was going through a very similar faith journey as Billy Graham and was becoming an evangelist. And a lot of people thought that Templeton was going to be... um, actually a more effective evangelist because they felt like he had a greater set of gifts, more charisma than Billy Graham. Um, And uh, anyway, the two of them were kind of on the same journey, uh, actually working for, at one point, the same organization. And anyway, Templeton uh, went off in a different direction and ultimately uh, cashed his faith in, turned his back on God. And uh, he and Graham through the years had a lot of um, communication at times and trying to convince one another. Uh, Templeton couldn't see why Billy Graham was still doing what he was doing because he started to bring out what he was saying were errors that he saw in Scripture and how can you like kind of hang your life and your hat on all of that. Um, and anyway, in a real profound letter at one point, Billy Graham sent a letter to Templeton trying to just encourage him to come back to faith. He, he said this one thing, it's powerful around faithfulness, said, one thing is greater than the miracle itself, it is our faithfulness. Because one of Templeton's things that he was wrestling with was what he wasn't seeing happen. And he, he was really troubled by the fact that uh, the brokenness in the world or when he would pray for people that they wouldn't always get healed. And he just got to the place where he felt like it's not only God isn't faithful, God is not even around. 
And Graham, Graham speaking to that said that powerful statement, one thing is greater than the miracle itself, it is our faithfulness. So faithfulness and the miraculous can cohabitate, but they aren't dependent on one another. More the miraculous happening or the supernatural happening occurs, it, it requires some faithfulness for us to step out in faith or to pray, but at the end of the day, faithfulness is, a, is an invitation that we just have on our lives. We're called to be faithful in our relationship with God, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what is happening in the world, no matter what kind of craziness occurs, what Jesus is saying here essentially is you should be faithful whether great things are going on or not. That's just kind of expected. It seems like harsh language, but ultimately it's true. So uh, there's a few things that I see when it comes to faithfulness I just want to mention to us today and, and have us consider. The first thing is that faithfulness is a supreme challenge. We've got to be honest about that. Faithfulness is a supreme challenge for us, right? In Proverbs 20, verse 6, it says, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. This is an uphill climb to talk about faithfulness if we want to talk about faithfulness and not talk about the challenges. The reason that it's not talked about a lot in the church is because it is an uphill conversation, is because it is swimming against the stream, because we want to believe that every time whatever we imagine the kingdom should be like, that it's just going to be that way. And then when things don't go the way that we really hope they would go, and unless we're lying, it doesn't always go the way we want it to go. Probably before the end of this day, it's probably before the end of my talk, it's not going to go the way you want it to go, or me. Uh, it won't go the way I want it to go totally. Trust me, I wrestle with that every week. But at the end of the day, this is a challenge, right? What do we do when we're overruled, for, perhaps, when we pray or we ask or we want something and it seems like we get overruled? The scripture is full of examples, and certainly a prominent one, for instance, is the Apostle Paul, where it says he has a thorn in the flesh and he prays. And I have studied that scripture so intensely, especially in my early years of faith. It, it almost seemed contradictory to some other things, but Jesus seems to be okay with the tension of it all. But anyway, he has this thorn in the flesh. It says he prays three times, and he does not get deliverance from the thorn in the flesh. Most theologians embrace the fact that Paul died with whatever he was describing there. That was a part of what he died with. So what do you do when you seem to be overruled? How is your faithfulness? What do you do and what do I do when things just don't make sense? Does that affect the level of faithfulness in our relationship with God? Do we become compromising in our faith? Do we change God because things didn't go the way we wanted? Or should it be us that is changing and transforming? Do we bail on our faith? Do we get angry but don't, don't take our anger to God in the way that God would openly be ready to embrace our anger and help us with our anger and help grow us up? One of my favorite scriptures 
um, that I rest on when it comes to faithfulness is in Deuteronomy 33. It says, and one version puts it this way, as your days are, so shall your strength be. As your days are, so shall your strength be. On the worst days of your life and mine, understand that if that's a day God has given you, God will give you and give me strength for that day. I can remain faithful to God on my worst day, on the worst day for my family, on the worst day for the world that I live in. I can remain faithful because God is faithful to me and gives me a provision for that day. So what do we do when the complexities of life and faith come up, especially, probably most particularly, the personal ones that happen to us, but not just those, even the ones that we see in a bigger sense? What do we do with that? It's a challenge. And we need to just put that out there right away. This is why we need to talk about our faithfulness, because it's challenging. But God's provision is there for us. And God is with us in the challenge To be faithful, one definition is to be loyal, to be constant, to be steadfast, to be true to the original. If you and I are created in the image and likeness of God and God's faithfulness can be always present and never ineffective and always there and perfect in every way, we are called to be an image bearer of the original. We are called to be faithful people. Will we do it perfectly? No way. But it is the call on our lives, which moves into the second thing is faithfulness requires dependence. Faithfulness requires our dependence. In order for you and I to be faithful people, it requires a dependence on the perfect one, the faithfulness of God. That's what we draw from. That's where we get our strength when it comes to faithfulness. That's where on a day when we're, when we're feeling like we can't go another day, that's where we draw our, our, our goodness and strength from. Our own faithfulness comes as a reflection of God's faithfulness in our own life. We, again, need to be true to the original. You know, some things that I love about um, uh, some of the, the stories in Scripture, just how easy they are. And some people would say they're like the children's story of Scripture, the children's stories. And the reason that we say that is because they're so easy. But I love the fact that Jesus said, don't resist when kids want to come to me. And maybe if we could just stick with the stories that we think are just the kids' stories. You know, the David and Goliath kind of, just don't get into all the nuances of it. Just there's a giant, and then I'm kind of like the David, and somehow I can overcome the giant things in my life. Or, you know, the Daniel and the lion's den story, where, you know, there's this amazing deliverance that occurs. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's because they're relative to our life, and they're relative to the faithfulness of God in our life. See, our faithfulness should not be dependent. Faithfulness requires dependence. It requires dependence on God, not dependence on the results. Faithfulness, my faithfulness and your faithfulness should not be dependent on, like here, the the guy, the the slave owner, the the landowner, whatever you want to call him, the ruler, he, he... He's basically, it's almost offensive, isn't it? It's like, well, when you come in after a hard day of work and then you're going to go and still do your job. And when I finish my coffee, 
then you can go and eat yourself. It seems almost it's like an affront. But see, our dependence isn't on the compensation. My dependence is on the relationship that I have with God. And we get into trouble when our faithfulness is dependent on miracles, when our faithfulness is dependent on answers, and our faithfulness is dependent on benefits. However, I'm going to talk to you about this. Those, those things can, can cohabitate. I can live a life where I believe for the miraculous and the supernatural in my life. I pray and and pursue and lean into the benefits of having a life in Christ, but I can be faithful even when they don't come. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is a powerful scripture. They're about to be thrown in a fiery furnace by Nebuchadnezzar, and this is what they say in, in Daniel Chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting ready to be thrown into a fiery, blazing furnace because they have not done what Nebuchadnezzar has told them to do, the king. says, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and God will deliver us from it, from your majesty's hand, period. Everyone say period. In the original, that's the end of the sentence. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego have no problem saying, God is going to deliver us, period. That's their posture. That's their positioning, That's where they're at with this. And then they go on, though. After the period, it says, but, because when we read but, there's always a comma. But, they say, even if God does not deliver us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. They lived in the tension, and you see it over and over and over again in Scripture. They pray in faith. They make proclamations of faith that God is a healer because that's their experience. That's what they've heard. That's what they've seen. That's what they've lived into. But if God doesn't, we will remain faithful. Go ahead and throw us in because I'm here to be faithful. I don't want to burn in a furnace. I know God can deliver me. But if by some chance, I'm not bowing, I will remain faithful. See, God has demonstrated uh, his past faithfulness to give us a foundation for our faithfulness today and tomorrow. You see this recounting in scripture of where God would remind the people or have somebody remind the people of the things that... Uh, Either their ancestors had experienced or they had experienced. And the reminder uh, has everything to do with connecting us to faithfulness. See, God's faithfulness in our life. And when Claire, for instance, takes us through the practice, the reason gratitude is so powerful for us as a people, for anybody, the reason it is is because it builds our faithfulness. What happens is our faith increases when we remind ourselves of what's already occurred, what God has already done. So then when I move into my today and my tomorrow, I'm ready. I'm kind of loaded up with what has happened. 
Jesus, at one point, he told us to occupy. See, at the end of this scripture where it says, uh, the work is done, we, what we were told to do, we did. What they're essentially saying there is, we occupied. We did what we were instructed to do. We came, this was our responsibility, and we did that, and essentially that's occupying. We occupied the space we were asked to occupy. Jesus, in one of the most powerful statements that he makes uh, in, in all of his talks, he says, occupy until I come. Occupy, occupy. What does that mean? Occupy means I will be faithful with the space that I am called to occupy. Whatever I have experienced in God becomes a place, kind of a footstool for me, a place of strength for my faithfulness. I'll build on that. This is how our faith is built. Build until I come. So God is faithful. So what, this is how this happens in a practical sense in our, in our lives, right? So um, for you, it could be, let, let's, I'll just give you some examples from my own life. None of us live like this perfect life, right? None of us live this life in our faith where it just goes and, and it's just, you know, every answer comes the way we want it to answer. However, what happens is God does things in our lives and those become occupational territories for us. The faithfulness of God, when it shows up in my life and yours, that becomes a space that I do not have to ever give up to the devil again, all right? So just as an example, you, you might think about like finances, all right? I, I want to pray for finances. So, um, you know, I remember a time when uh, Claire and I, early in our marriage, literally, I think our first year of marriage, uh, our W-2 said $8,000, 8,000 bucks. So things were lean, right? Um, and Sean and Kathleen actually were up north. Sean was playing football at Saginaw Valley. They were doing the college thing. They didn't have two nickels to rub together either. Either At one point, Claire and I, you know, we, we lived with a zero balance most of the time in the checkbook, right? It wasn't like, oh, we've got an X. There was no extra. Like I was laughing when people say, with your extra money, it's like, who has, who's the guy that's got extra money? I mean, I don't know. I, I need the definition of that. But I, we certainly didn't have extra then. So I remember we were at one of those places where it's like, I don't know how we're going to pay whatever the bill was. I don't even remember what the bill was or the bills probably. And in the mail came $100. Now to us, that was like, that was, I would say like winning the lotto, but we didn't play. So it wasn't even like that. It was just, it was awesome. And there was a note attached to it. It was from Sean and Kathleen, and they said, don't you dare try to give this back to us, because we know you will. And we joked, we still joke to this day, we call them the green bee kids, because we were eating a lot of green beans out of cans. That's, that's what the budget was, right? So, that $100 showing up in the mail becomes a part of occupied territory in our life the faithfulness of God. So every time, and I, I, could, I could really bore you with a multitude of financial stories that have happened over the years in our lives. But let's just start right there. That $100 becomes an occupied territory 
for us, right? So when I go to pray or Claire goes to pray for somebody and they're going through a financial difficulty or we're praying for our own finances, we bring that $100 with us. That is the faithfulness of God. I will never doubt the faithfulness of God when it comes to finances because I've seen it too many times. So what happens is God begins to take you to these different levels. And the scripture says in Ephesians 4 that the enemy is trying to take hold. The scripture says, do not give ground to the enemy. This is, you, this is your ground that God has given you. And you begin to live from this place of faithfulness. When they make this statement here and they say, we did what we were told, whatever level you have moved into is the level that you need to be faithful at. Does this make any sense? I have prayed for people. I I got healed before I gave my life to Christ. When I began to pray for people that were ill, I bring that healing. I remind myself of that healing. I have been able to be a part of praying for, at one point, a child that was healed of cancer. It was miraculous. It had nothing to do with me or anybody else, all God, right? But we pray from a place of faithfulness in what we've experienced. So when I lay hands on somebody with cancer and tumors, you better believe that I can faithfully pray because I know I've experienced the faithfulness of God in a person's life. And listen, I don't know how that all works. All that I know is this is mine to occupy. And I will lay hands on the sick from that space because that's what God has given. So I don't know what it is. When Claire made that powerful statement, remind yourself where God's been faithful. You and I are responsible for that. That is yours to occupy. And don't you, don't, don't go back. Don't give up ground that you've been given. Because it's not about us when we pray for people or when we, when we do that. However, we have a responsibility to be faithful. I hope this is helping. I, I know I'm preaching to myself. So uh, we were in Haiti, right? And um, I have seen God do things in just a practical sense, around practical things. We're in Haiti and we have, uh, uh, we have a... Um, generator and somehow when we ship the generator over to Haiti the brushes on the motor get bro- they're broken they get broken and you know Haiti is like to f- you just don't get parts for anything there you got to ship them in it's going to take all kinds of time the generator was to run the building that we had just built essentially and it was it was going to run that place for hopefully for years and we were scrambling And because there's occupied territory, we can pray from a place of, God, you've done things before, not just stuff we've read. That's awesome. But I've seen you do some amazing things in my life. And I know this sounds just even crazy. It's almost crazy to ask for it. But we need a brush for a motor. And Carlo drags me through Port-au-Prince. And I said, why don't we stop at that place? And it looks, literally looks like what we would call kind of a junkyard in a building, a small building. And I show the guy the broken part and he 
can't speak English, walks right over to a pile of junk, goes to the bottom of the pile and brings out the brushes. And I said, that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. Now, it doesn't always work that way, does it? But this space is yours to faithfully occupy. Don't give up that turf. And this is how God takes us to live faithfully around what we've been given. All of us have different spaces that we've been called to occupy. I have experienced things with my children that no doubt were miraculous. Difficulties they were in. Things I could not do for them and Claire could not do for them. And we've seen it in our own life with our own kids and with other kids, but it's like there is this place of, I can pray for that. I can be faithful to the fact that I know God is faithful. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God's going to do something for your children. But if by chance it doesn't work out the way we're thinking it's going to work out, we will be faithful and we will not bow or give up turf in our faith, which leads to the last thing, just briefly. It's this place where faithfulness calls for positioning. So positioning is really critical. See, uh, Furtick makes this statement. He says, our faith may fail. I think it's out of one of his books. He says, our faith may fail, but God's faithfulness never will. Our faith is not built on the fault line of our feelings or the floodplain of our performance. We build our faith on solid ground, higher ground. We build it on the faithfulness of God. God seems to look. God is always faithful, right? And this is where these things can cohabitate. God is always faithful. So even when I'm not faithful, the scripture tells us in 2 Timothy, you and I are not faithful all the time, but God is always faithful. That's what it tells us, right? Even when I'm not faithful, God's going to be faithful. Even when you're not faithful, God will be faithful. He'll always be faithful to you. God will always be faithful to all of us. However, God seems to look for faithful positioning right? Like Moses. Moses could have remained in the desert herding sheep at one point in his life, but because he positions himself, he accepts the position that God invites him to, he gets a front row seat to seeing the 10 plagues come about, the deliverance of the nation of of Israel and the Red Sea part. Daniel, he's another example. Daniel could have just uh, not bowed, could have stopped praying, could have taken a break from pay, praying, but Daniel's going to, it's like, no, I'm going to pray. I'm going to keep praying through no matter what the threat is, the threat of death. 
And because he positions himself where he intersects, what happens is we, we position ourselves where God is passing by, essentially. It's like, oh, that's an opportunity for God to do something wonderful. Because essentially that's all that happens. When you and I lay hands, for instance, on the sick and somebody's healed, all you have done is you've just, you just happened to be in the way while God was passing by, and now we've got stories about it. Isn't that cool? Like you and I have stories about the fact that God came by did something wonderful and was like, hey, I was there. I I was there and isn't that cool? And then some of us start to say, I was there. I don't know where God was, but man, wasn't it great what I did? That's a problem. That's another Sunday. Anyway, Esther, Esther could have stayed taking spa treatments as the queen, not risk her life, but she enters into the king's chambers, risks her life, She is in the room where it happens when the Jews are delivered. She positions herself. Mary could have stayed with the status quo of whatever teenage girls were doing at that point in history. But no, she positions herself, opens herself up for worship, totally submits herself to God's power, positions herself for the miraculous and becomes the temple for one of the greatest mysteries and miracles of history. Are you faithfully positioning yourself to encounter Jesus? When the scripture tells us to lay hands on the sick, for instance, and they will recover, all the invitation is is we just position ourselves. When we, when we, cast, uh, when, we, when we bring our burdens to one another and we intercede or we try to encourage one another in the faith... We're just positioning ourselves. Zacchaeus is a brilliant kind of wicked businessman. He positions himself in one of the wealthiest places of commerce in the world. And he's a tax gatherer, so there's all of this commerce going on. He's got all this money coming in, but then he starts to hear about Jesus And because he's a small guy, he realizes Jesus is going to walk past here and he climbs a tree because he's smart enough, even though he's in the natural, if I just position myself with the right people, I can really make a lot of money. But only this time, it's the creator of the universe that he's positioning himself for. And he climbs a tree because he makes sure that he is going to have interaction with Jesus. So when it comes to faithfulness, how are you positioning yourself? How would you say you're doing with that? How are you you making sure that when Jesus is passing by, that you're making sure you're climbing up in a tree. You're making sure you're being faithful to the fact that God wants to do amazing things through your life. And for some peculiar reason, God wants to partner with us in this. So why don't we stand?
So let's just uh, take a moment and uh, take a breath. And maybe in your mind you have um, thought of things where you've been unfaithful. And just take a moment and give that to God. Because even when you are unfaithful, God is faithful. So give that to God and receive God's mercy. And take a breath and remember God's faithfulness. Stories in scripture, places that you occupy. And ask God, just say, God, I want um, to know your faithfulness. And I want to be faithful.
over every mountain any person is facing in this room today. And we're speaking to mountains from occupied territory of seeing what you have done for us in the past. And God, we're praying that faith would rise, that we would have a way of leaning on the faith, even of the words that were spoken today, that we take that in to our hearts. And so God, we're blessing your people today. We're blessing them and praying that they would grow in faithfulness, that they grow in occupied territory, that they position themselves in ways that they expect, God, that you will always and ever be faithful all the days of our journey home. And so, Lord, I bless my friends, mind and heart and body. And we do pray, God, that your kingdom would come in each one's life all week long in Jesus' name. So guys, I just want to send you out, pay attention, and watch how God will be faithful to you. It'll be unique. It'll be weird. It'll be wonderful. It'll shock you. But grow in faith, hope, and love this week. Have a great week. Save it.